Now you went up to see what? What did you go up to see? Hello, Dolly. What was it? Funny girl. Funny close. girl. Close. So close. I knew it was a two-word thing. Now I noticed in your Instagram story that, or maybe it was your sister's, but I, I, I noticed that there was a stop off prior to arrival where it almost caused you to miss curtain. Yeah. Uh, but but you stopped for uh, black and white cookie. Yeah. Right, as one does. Yep. So you made curtain, obviously, mm -hmm. but there was some serious high stepping going on between said bakery and and the theater. There was. The story was a little fabricated on her end. We had plans on going to Sarge's Deli for lunch before the show. Laura was taking a train in from her boyfriend's parents in New Jersey. So she showed up to like the lunch with like very little time to spare. The show started at two and it was 1.35 and she still wasn't there yet. So we ended up taking okay. a cab and it was fine. But I ordered the cookie from the deli where we already were as she was scarfing down her pastrami sandwich. Mm -hmm. So she kind of played it off like I was the one who delayed us, but <laughs> I have, I'm sorry, I'm cracking up because- but You have a different version of this story. Yeah, I didn't delay us. I just got a cookie while I was waiting. It was like right. Elaine getting the juji fruits. It was exactly that type of I was gonna say, okay, situation. Were, it, was on the, it was on the way, you figured, Yeah. what the hell? Why not? Okay. Right. So I get this cookie, I'm carrying it to the theater. I ended up stashing it in my bag when we hopped in the cab. I was like, maybe we can eat it at an intermission or something. I was going to share it with Laura. Ended up not eating it. And we went and got drinks after. And so then it finally gets to the end of the night. I'm back home at Jimmy's parents' house. I'm like, I still have this cookie in my bag. I'm going to try it. And I take one bite. And it tasted like pickles. Oh. <laughs> because I must have like wrapped it in a napkin that was like next to this i don't know if this made it into either of our stories but they put these like when you get there instead of like bread they put like uh -huh. a thing of coleslaw and a thing of pickles on the table uh -huh. and it must have gotten cross-contaminated with the pickle juice carried that yeah. thing around all day for nothing and i didn't get well, a cookie in the end well that's that's disappointing yeah. i think what i was most amused <laughs> by was this the scene in, in in your sister's story where you were it looked like you guys were on your way to the theater and, and as, as like something out of the Wizard of Oz where you were just kind of like high step skipping as if it were like the yellow book rope. But you were, holding the, yeah. you were holding the cookie like like a priest holds the host and <laughs> like a, the sacramental bread in mass. It was like it wasn't like in your back. Like it was. Oh, no, up. no. Like, I didn't like I didn't want to get anything on it, which obviously <laughs> ended up being for nothing. South. It went right. very south. But yeah, I mean, a lot of things are going good in that moment, other than possibly missing the beginning of the show. But yeah, we were running to try to find a cab. I yeah. had my cookie. I knew I was going to see a Broadway show. Yeah, all good. Beautiful day. Glad that amused you. And sorry, you yeah. didn't need to hear like the entire, like <laughs> what happened after that, but there you go. Yeah. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve. And this is a podcast for creatives. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. One of the things that I appreciate about you, one of the many things, is that even though you don't like the Beatles, mm -hmm. anytime you come across something interesting that has to do with the Beatles, you send it my way because I do like them, like a sane person. <laughs> That's a cheap shot, but all right, I'll allow it. <laughs> So most recently, you sent me this great 
interview. It was um, Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast. Yep, Fly on the Wall. And they were interviewing Sir Paul McCartney. And it was fantastic, as you would guess. But there was one specific part of their interview that I felt like spoke the most to me and made me think about our podcast and I think just kind of working with people in general, collaborating. And it was about his relationship with John Lennon is mostly what he talked about, but, you know, the four of them as well. Right, right. And Dana Carvey and David Spade were kind of asking about, you know, not they didn't want to know how did you break up and like the typical question that always gets asked. They were asking more about their process and something that I had never heard before was kind of how much fun they had and how some of their best solutions, for lack of a better word, came about just kind of fooling around and experimenting, which is not something that I associate with John Lennon whatsoever. I mean, I know that he was experimental, but, you know, having fun is not something that I really connect to him. I really enjoyed listening to that and thinking about how that applies to the work that I do because having fun and doing creative work seems like it would be something that would go together. But mm. for me, that's often not the case. A lot of it also depends upon the structure that you're in and the expectations of you know, those people who you might be working with or the demands of the people who might be asking of you to do this work. The line that stood out to me in, in that podcast, and I, you know, definitely encourage all of you listening to, to go listen to that, not before you listen to this first, but <laughs> definitely go listen to that, is um, especially if you've seen the documentary Get Back on, uh, was it Apple Apple TV? I think they had it or um, it wasn't Disney Plus. It doesn't matter. Anyway, you'll find that. We'll too. find it. We'll link um, to it. We'll link to both of these. Yes. He referenced John Cleese um, of Monty Python uh, lore using uh, the concept of play as a tool uh, in the creative process. And he kind of just mentioned it in passing in the interview, but he sort of talked about it from the standpoint of, you know, they'd have these marathon sessions. And, you know, if you watch the documentary, you know, you'll certainly see times where they are uh, it's almost as if they're sort of banging their heads against the wall trying to come up with whatever the lyrics going to be whatever the melody is going to be whatever the rhythm is going to be but he talked about john cleese using this opportunity of saying you know using play as a tool and you'll see a lot of instances in the documentary where the four of them or the two of them john and paul depending upon the arrangement are just sort of being goofy and using you know, um, throwaway lyrics or using different, you know, sounding funny, throwing, th throwing words in there that shouldn't be in there just to sort of take the edge off a little bit of what can be a very trying and difficult process, the creative process. And he talked about how that really sort of freed them up to explore the boundaries and the limitations of the song and, or the possibilities and would ultimately help refine the thought process so eventually they would kind of get down to what they wanted it to be or how they wanted it to sound. But if they never actually consciously built that playtime into the process, 
the alternative would have been trying to force something that wasn't there just to complete it. And I texted Michelle after listening to this. I texted you, I should say, after listening to this because you're right here. Um, <laughs> because it sort of opened my mind to this notion that John Cleese talks a lot about. I subsequently had done a lot of reading about his um, philosophy on creativity. And he really boiled it down to two main types of, of creative work. We have um, you know, a closed approach and an open approach. And this closed approach is very much sort of how we function when we're working under deadline with, you know, anxieties, trying to beat the clock, trying to, you know, meet the expectation, get things out. And then there's this open approach, which is consciously building in time to your schedule, to your day where you're setting aside an hour, an hour and a half, whatever that might be of removing yourself from the work, from the situation, allowing yourself to just be, allowing yourself to 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 sort of be un, unreachable in, 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 in essence, a la what Paul and George were doing, building in creative playtime, building in time to sort of explore in order to help influence the work that you will do when you eventually get back into that closed period of work. So you're not trying to come up conceptually with the idea in the moment when you're doing that under the deadline on you know high anxiety type moments. Is there room for advocating for yourself, for your employer, you know, for more of this open type time, which would allow you to be more creative, maybe have more access to ideas and not necessarily turn to the derivative? Yes, there is space, <laughs> at least in my organization of one. I feel like I need an intervention when it comes to this sort of thing. I find it very challenging to leave open space in my calendar but I think more so to place value in time that is for exploration, even if I define it as, okay, this is your hour every day for you to just be silly and see what comes to mind and experiment, I would turn it into something that's not fun. Like I would make it an assignment. Like, okay, what is my objective and how did I deal with the end of it? How, yeah. how do you do with stuff like this? Um, so I got, it, this was taught to me a very long time ago. Um, I used to hate writing growing up, which is kind of, you know, ironic just because a lot of what I do now is centered around writing, but I hated it. You know, you'd get an, I'd get an assignment in high school that was like, write 200 words and I would write 200 and no more. Like it was that bad. And I got into college and I ended up, uh, taking a course, a writing course with a professor who was really influential. His name is Robert Kester for, for what it's worth, but it, who was really influential um, on my development as a writer and my understanding of the writing process. And one of the things that he taught us was teaching writing as an open-ended process, so not writing for a specific purpose all the time, but also how to sort of navigate the challenges that come along with with writing. And one of them obviously is writer's block. And, you know, he talked about, you know, I remember staying after class one day, kind of just talking about some issues that I was up against. And it was the first time that anybody had ever said to me from a, from an instructional educational standpoint, yeah, just walk away from it for a while. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't like high school where it was like, well, it's due on this day or well, it's, you know, to make sure, you know, it was very much just like, well, get away from it for a little while, like walk, walk away for a couple of days. And, I, I almost was like, I, I can do that. Like, that's that's OK. And 
it's been probably the number one lesson in my life about whenever I feel rushed or under a deadline, I unplug. I, I almost sort of detach myself and I try as best I can in the circumstances to get away from it, maybe still think about it, you know, but but not when I'm sitting in front of a computer or, or you know, trying to execute the idea and allow things to sort of come to me. And it's still how I approach writing. It's still how I approach, you know, sometimes even cutting video that we do for the podcast. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get into something. And I'm like, I don't like this and I'll leave or I'll close out and I'll come back and or I'll, I'll experience something somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, Michelle said something that might be a good like it, it just gives you that opportunity to sort of hit pause and come back to it with more of a fresh mind and it might seem so simple, but I think when we're under, under pressure, we tend to fall back on what we've always done. And sometimes that gets us into those ruts of feeling like we're not actually exploring our, our, our possibilities or our, 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 our capabilities. Mm. Wow. That's so, <laughs> that's so wise just to step away. That thing that you said at the end about kind of falling back onto our default because in those moments where I feel pressured or I feel like something isn't working creatively, my move is not to walk away. It's, okay, what else can I do that's productive? And what I end up choosing is not always productive. It's just something that I know how to do really well, which yeah. sometimes ends up like creating unnecessary work just to kind of like fill the dead air, if you will. Right. There was an example that John Cleese talked about in a speech that he gave back in back in the early 90s. Not that I'm surprised. I mean, he's still alive. It's not that I'm surprised that, that he gave that speech. But it's like for something that I feel like is so deep, I'm shocked not to be so pompous. I'm shocked this is the first I'm like actually paying attention to it uh, conceptually. But he talked about Hitchcock, which I thought you'd appreciate because obviously we talk a lot about him on the podcast. And you know, when they would be in a writing session for for the film, he and his writing staff, and they would be up against it, you know, he, all of a sudden he would break and, and tell a funny story or say, you know, we're, we're too far into it. Let's back out. We'll finish this. Don't worry. You know, like, and I think that's missing. The creative industry, you know, we just did an episode on leaving things sort of up for interpretation. And I, I think this is like the, the, the co-pilot to that that concept, which is there's such a demand for really good creative that you feel like you're in a competition or you feel like you're trying to force out this, this specific deliverable that uh, is it, it so many variables on the other end. Once you hit publish that, it almost seems foolish to be put, putting yourself through the trials and the tribulations of the design process and forcing something that there are so many variables on the receiving end of it that you almost want to be more kind to yourself and just say like, all right, if it's not coming, like, let me intentionally try to get away from this. Let me intentionally try to build in some of that more playtime where I can explore, where I can be silly, where I can sort of allow myself to get into this mood because he talks a lot about how creativity really is a mood. It's not about a skill set. It's not about one person is just really creative and you're not like anybody can be creative. 
but you want to be allow yourself in 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 the the headspace and the mood to actually be that way. So to me, it's like any other type of mood that you're in. Like you have to allow yourself to get into it. You have to set the the, the parameters for it to allow yourself to be in it to then experience the good that comes from it. I have a really hard time being silly. And I think it's it really stems from what we talked about in the last episode, which which is I think I try so hard to deliver like the right thing mm. that if I allow myself to kind of get in this space of like, okay, well, what if you threw away everything that you thought is would lead to like the right conclusion and just explore other possibilities? But like that unknown feels like I'm setting myself up for a failure. How so? I don't know. I think I just tend to take the safe route. Like I know if I do this, this, and this, and check all these boxes, it will be acceptable Mm. and I won't look bad. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I try this other crazy thing that no one else is doing, you know, what if people think that I'm weird because I thought of it? And I have no evidence that it will be well-received. But yet, isn't the best art (laughs) the people who did those things, the Beatles who went into the studio and made songs with, like, you know, lyrics that aren't lyrics. They're just kind of, like, silly words and silly sounds that now all of us know and sing along to. Right. And without actually advocating for that, to yourself, would you have ever arrived at that? I think if you set out from the outset of like, you know, I want to do something totally unique, like no one's ever done before. And then you wait for the idea to come to you. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it doesn't, that doesn't like play out that way. I think the best ideas for, for creative things is like, you're not even, you're not even thinking it's coming. You're not even trying to think of something creative. You're just sort of building in the time and I know we're talking about a lot of this in relation to you're going through a tough project, so get walk away and laugh. It doesn't mean that magically all of a sudden the ideas are going to come to flow, to, come come to you. But if, I think if you're consciously potentially creating open space and open time, just in general, it might sort of have more of a healthy exercise for your for your creative brain holistically throughout the way that you approach work, like. You know, I think about the, you know, we for for a while and I know we've talked about re, re, restarting this up again, but for a while we were doing a, a YouTube series still available if you want to watch it. Yeah, we'll link to it. I mean, I think yeah. it's linked in every episode <laughs> <laughs> But uh, called Commercial Breakdown, which is what you and I have looked back on uh, old commercials from our youth and we've kind of done commentary on it. And it was a lot of fun. And and sort of the idea was like, I, I mean, I'd work with you on anything. So. Um, that, that goes without saying, it's not like that was ever a hurdle, but I think, you know, you're always looking for reasons to work together more about things that we both sort of identify with. And the idea just sort of came like, we both have this nostalgic obsession. You know, we, you know, I was inspired by something that I had seen during the pandemic that I thought would play well with, with this concept. And we did it. We did a season of like six episodes or whatever. And it was a heck of a lot of fun, and I still enjoy going back and looking at the YouTube channel and seeing comments from people about their what they remember from seeing those commercials as a kid or whatever. But 
you know, if it was if we said like we need to come up with something else and then we were just racking our brains to try to come up with something else. I don't know if it would have been as successful as it just sort of hit hit me and it was like, let's let's do this, you know. So I think when you're trying to do something different, when you want to break away from the status quo, there's this there's a sense of pressure that comes from that too, because you're still trying you're still putting yourself through the hurdle of trying to come up with something new. And I think I think that's the wrong approach. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. I don't mean to imply that, but I think that's like it's not fair. It's not fair to to the creative going through that because you're not the judge of it. You know, you're ultimately not the judge of it. But I think that there is an essential component in this exercise or this concept working, and that is to actually take action on the ideas that might come to you. Because I feel like that that's typically where I get stuck. Even if I created the space for myself to do something, like I said, I would treat it as like an assignment and have to like think I have to make lists or something like that to come up with, as you said, like that the brilliant idea. But that example of us working on commercial breakdown is great because you came up with the idea and it was, there was no hesitation like you were like, what if we did this? And I was like, great, let's, <laughs> let's do it. And we got moving right away. And I do feel like that is something creative that I've worked on that I have leaned into in more of an experimental way, like bringing the costumes <laughs> into it is like, is something that is very me, I'd say it is one of the more <laughs> silly things that I have done. But I don't think that people who don't know me in real life would expect from me. So that's not right. the type of thing that I typically put out there publicly. But like I loved, I loved doing that project and would yeah. love to do more. Yeah, well, we should. Um, <laughs> and it's and, and I do, too. And I think it's it was comp incredibly rewarding. But I think if you're not allowing yourself to go there and explore the depths of what you bring to a situation or what you could bring to it, you know, we would just end up probably doing a version of the podcast, but mm -hmm. for that, it would have mm -hmm. looked the exact same. And I think that's the beauty of it. Like some things look similar, like we're obviously doing it remotely. So we're side by side, you know, on, on the, on the, on the video layout, but the, the element of what we do, what we say, how we're exploring the content is completely different. And it just, you know, I keep coming back to this because, and this isn't advice. This is just something that I think struck the two of us, but I think it's easy to say like, you know, so take an hour and a half a day and, you know, <laughs> have some fun and quiet time. Let everyone listen and just like, yeah, I don't know about that. Or I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to get away with that. And, and I don't think it's like it, but I do think it's something that if, if you find yourself, cause I've had this conversation with other people who I work with in creative roles. Like if you're finding yourself in this, just this hamster wheel of, of, creativity of just the same stuff and the same stuff because you don't have room to move or think or things are just the way they are. You you set your schedule in such a way that, you know, it's tough to breathe. It's worth considering. I'm in a creative field. Am I giving myself enough time? Am I investing enough time in myself to be, to be creative, to be in that mood, to deliver great work? And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in a position of, of, of leadership in creative, you know, and you have a team underneath you, 
leaders need to allow for this. I think people in creative roles need to advocate for it if they feel like it's the right thing. And I think leaders need to allow for it. I think they have to understand that this is a this is a unique industry that's an art. And like anything else, it can't be rushed. It can't be, yes, there are deadlines and yes, there are things we have to meet. But if schedules aren't structured in a, in a way that you can invest in your people and your people can't invest in themselves, the work doesn't always evolve or it doesn't evolve at a pace that allows you to be meeting the next level of where you want to go as an organization or as a business. I'm so glad that you're advocating for this because I think that everyone is on paper overloaded with work. And I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I know for myself, oftentimes when I look at my planner or my to-do list, I get really overwhelmed and it feels like every second of my day is full with projects. But then there are times like this, I think I may have posted about this, maybe on Instagram, I can't remember where, where I had this project that I had to get done and I was thinking about it and stressing about it. It was on my to-do list for like a week. And I ended up waiting until the last minute, sitting down and doing the whole thing in just like a, you know, five hour time block. I mean, I took breaks in there, but the point is something that I had allotted all of this space to do, what I ended up doing was like using 90% of it, stressing about it, but I really only needed that 10% of the time to actually do it because it was a job that I was really good at, I had done before. It was in my zone of genius. If you're in a role where you feel like you are in your zone of genius and you're able to like own up to the fact that you're really good at what you do, then if you don't have someone like Steve who's advocating for you to like have that space in your schedule, maybe just take it. And so instead of using that time to stress, just say, I know that I can get this done in this amount of time. And then use that time to have fun, whatever version that is for you. Because I imagine that's not something that we can really define or give instructions on, on how to use that time to like, expand your mind, your creative minds. Right. And, and, and nor are we a master at anyone else's schedule, but it's supposed to be fun. Like, you know, we all got into this work, you know, you got into this work, people listening to got into this work because they enjoy that process. Is, is there anything enjoyable about being under deadline other than checking a box and saying, well, that's off my plate because the, the reward is just another project to fill up that available time, right? So wouldn't it be more enjoyable for some reward to be an investment in yourself and your creative self to then apply that freedom to the work? And that's the incentive. That's the, that's the, that's the conscious building of your schedule, of your, of your approach to help your work flourish. I'm curious if any other creatives listening to this feel like they add unnecessary angst to their creative work that is supposed to be fun. Because I think that things are getting better, but I do think that we're there's still this stigma that creative work is fun and therefore not really work. 
and isn't always valued in the same way. So I think if you've seen this episode of Seinfeld before, there's an episode where George is working for the Yankees and every time his boss walks by, he he acts like he's really like in distress because he's working so hard. And I I think about that a lot because I I catch myself doing that. Like, oh my God, I have to work on this and it's gonna take me so long and it's you know, I don't have time to go out and like have a life. But it's like, okay, Michelle, you're doing something that you enjoy. And it's okay to to like say that you're enjoying it. Yeah. I do think there's a stigma about that. Like, you know, because I feel like if people say that they're they're having fun or they're enjoying themselves, it could open them up to getting more work or getting yeah. things piled on. So they don't want to show too much. And I don't necessarily know if it's about broadcasting it, but right. It's, it's also about like, I like the moments where I feel like, like going, you know, reading, reading through John Cleese's philosophy on creativity and, and, you know, the investments that I make in myself just in terms of trying to grow my mind. Um, I feel good about that because I feel like that uninterrupted time of reading or, or listening or, you know, whatever has influenced me in a positive way that I can maybe pay that forward and make some change. And, you know, that's, that's good. That, that makes me feel like, you know, there's a ball that's, you know, proverbial ball that's being moved forward here. So yeah, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to sort of tell yourself like, I enjoy this work, but you don't have to just enjoy it and say, well, that's all I get. Mm-hmm. You can get more out of it. Mm-hmm. I like this. This is coming in at, at a really good time for me because I'm coming off of two weeks of being overloaded. <laughs> I just, we were talking about this before we, before we started recording, but I just came back from New York for the weekend and on I left on Thursday night and on Thursday late afternoon I'm sitting in the airport I have like four things that are all due at the same time and I'm, I was just like beyond stressed and now here I am four days later with an open schedule yet I caught myself this morning even knowing that we were going to be having this discussion saying like oh, I should probably do those like 20 things that I haven't gotten to yet. But like, maybe I don't need to do those 20 things. I haven't done them so far and everything's fine. Still standing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I think it, I think that's the one thing that I immediately hit myself and I had to say like, okay, allow it to be okay. You know, just allow the investment in yourself, the time that you're spending, allow it to be okay because I think it's going to ben- positively benefit the work that you're doing. It's going to make you feel like you're approaching it healthier. Your mind is not going to be as cluttered. And you may even come up with the concept. So when you sit down and execute, it's not this, you know, this sludge, but rather more of a of a of a brisk sort of approach to it where you sort of see two and three steps ahead that I mean, and I know this sounds pie in the sky, but I, I, I do think that when stuff gets pushed off of our plates quickly, it's because we're just pulling back on things that we've always done. I think part of this is if you want to advance, if you want to create, if you want to do differently, if you want to evolve, it's like anything else. You have to make time for it. You have to invest the time into it. And I think you start to see the results the more you do that. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod creatives and let us know which stood out to you. Get to see some nice leaves. Yeah, uh, it's starting to get to that. Like everything has like a deep purple look to it now. So it's I mean, there's some yellows and things like that still. But like all the reds have now gotten to this like dark purple. So, you know, we're getting close to like 
completely dead season here, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been nice. only you could take that in that direction. I'm like, oh, you're gonna get to see some pretty loose. They're like, yeah, everything's almost dead. They're all dying. I mean, it is we'll the most all be American. dead eventually, anyway. What the hell's the difference? <laughs>